I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History. Hello. We are back. I'm being a bit blinded, actually, by the... So, the so, so we've just had some, like, demonic activity on the last episode. Definitely. And now it's like the sun's trying to take me out like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> I'm just going to start melting any second. <laughs> so we had Peter Laws on. His episode was out on Sunday, so you can go with that. Um, He talked to us all about premature burial, which was interesting and terrifying in equal measure. Yeah, gave me palpitations, the dinosaur thing in particular, because I knew exactly what he was talking about, the way he described it, and I thought that could happen to anybody. I I, I was with my sister. I remember reading about it, I think. Um, I was with my sister once, and we came out of this place. I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been a rock climbing place. Not that that is important in the story, but I threw something into one of those um, industrial bins and didn't realise I I lost my keys as well. I threw my keys in at the same time. So I had to kind of climb in and um, she joked about putting the the lid down, but it was just like, uh, you know, just being in a confined space anyway, but also a bin, that's pretty gross. But yeah, the, the dinosaur thing was not, and just getting wedge stuck. Yeah. I Not didn't good. know where he was going with the story either. So it just got worse and worse. I thought there was yeah. going to be a body in there. And then, like, that's <laughs> yeah, he just happened. And, and then I thought yeah. it was the kid go in. I think he didn't make the kid go in. Poor child. Yeah. Oh, anyway. <laughs> You're first this time. Yeah, this is, I think this should be our spooky episode because it's our one that's closest to Halloween. So it's yeah. Halloween on Monday. And mine is all about haunted theatres. Now, I can't find, I might have to read a little passage out of my book, which is like the most narcissistic thing ever, but I couldn't find my notes, my original notes for it. Because in my first book, Last One to Die, the girl is over on a theatre exchange and she wants to be an actress and she goes on this theatre tour and they see like a ghostly presence and it's based on the Theatre Royal in Drury Lane in Covent Garden and it's, it's a real ghost that apparently is seen in there so it sent me down like a rabbit hole of the story behind the supposed ghost and stuff. So somewhere I've got loads of detail but I couldn't find as much this time. And then it made me start to wonder, there's two different stories and I don't know if I just maybe mashed them together for the book and and did what I wanted to maybe the stuff in my yeah. book was what I made up. So, so I'm not, not 100% sure. But we're starting with theatrecrafts.com and they talk a little bit about superstition in theatres. So actors are very superstitious beings. I did some acting when I was kind of at college and remember all the stuff about like Macbeth you're not allowed to say the name of the play you have to call it the Scottish play because it can cause bad luck one that I found really interesting was now this says it was in America but I'm fairly sure they do this everywhere and they definitely do it in the UK but maybe in a different way they have something called a ghost light so they leave one light on in the theatre overnight says it's usually a bare ball oh. on stage. So it, it's probably a safety thing, but supposedly left on for the ghosts so they can see what they're doing at night time when everybody's gone. And I thought that was kind of cute. Like it's kind of a yeah. nice thing, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a bit of a superstition. You have to leave the ghost light on. You're not meant to whistle backstage. 
which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, apparently in the olden days when scene changes were going to happen, they would have like a system of whistles. And mm. you know, so somebody would whistle from the rafters and it meant, right, change this backdrop. So now whistling backstage, or it led to you shouldn't whistle backstage because somebody might think it's a cue and drop something on your head. Uh. Um, so whistling backstage is still bad luck, even though scene changes are more like automated now. Mm. The number 13 which, of course, I've had but Western BS. Because <laughs> it is, it's just a Western thing. And it's all based on, like, Christianity, isn't it? So you'll find no number 13 dressing room. But any of the theatres I've been in, if they had 13 dressing rooms, they'd be bloody massive. So That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'd be yeah. surprised if they even had 13 dressing rooms. And I think they, there is still a 13th seat in each row. I'm pretty sure there is. Like... Break a leg, you're not meant to say break a leg. Oh, sorry, you're not meant to say good luck, you're meant to say break a leg. And I had a look and there was loads of different stories about where that came from, but none of them actually explained why you say break a leg. One was about someone breaking their leg. And I was like, well, that's really bad luck. So yeah, I just didn't understand that one. You're not meant to use peacock feathers in the oh. because it has the evil eye and would curse the show which I thought was oh. a, that one made me want to write a horror set in a theatre with a cursed show. Yeah. I just thought, oh, that's a good yeah. one. And you are not meant to have real mirrors on stage. So obviously that's a bit of a safety thing. Mm. And it's, you know, if you break it, it's seven years, bad luck, but you can use acrylic mirrors. That's fine. So that's some strange superstitions. So then I had a look for famous haunted theatres because I will go on to talk about Drury Lane, but I was interested in others because it's one of those places, you know, if they say like ghosts and stuff hang around emotionally charged spaces. Mm. Theatres are that, aren't they? People yes. laugh and cry. And, yeah. You know, and even the actors, there's a lot of emotion, isn't there, hanging yeah. around? Exactly. They dig sometimes and then, you know, backstage spats and stuff like that. Yeah. It'd be great. Um, but the first one I found was the Palais Garnier in Paris which was built in 1875 and that's the one that inspired Gaston Leroux's Phantom of the Opera ah. and it's got some strange similarities so if you've seen Phantom of the Opera there's a scene where a chandelier falls I remember going with my mum when I was quite young and they actually had one suspended above the audience and they drop it and catch <gasps> it. I remember being like oh. wow. It was yeah so wow um so that's a scene in there. And apparently a uh, chandelier really did fall and kill a construction worker in that oh. theatre in 1896. So that's based on reality. There is a massive water tank beneath the theatre, which inspired the lake that the um, phantom like canoes around in. <laughs> I'm sure it's not called a canoe in Phantom of the Opera. A kayak. A kayak, Yeah. <laughs> I've been writing some horrible scenes with kayaks in recently and I called them cruise and George had to correct me. Um, and then the stories about a, a disformed man called Eric who lived in a secret apartment underneath the theatre. So that's obviously a massive... Yeah. Um, they looked for a skeleton. It was, it was never discovered. That just means that he didn't die there, I think. Yeah. Or, or wasn't like left there. Um, so they never found that. But in 2007, in the cellars, they found loads of old phonograph recordings 
of famous opera singers who had sang there, like that somebody had recorded. Someone was recording them. Well, somebody was, and they were like hidden away. So that must have been Eric then. Must have been. Even though that's not like a haunting, the fact that all that really happened and inspired. Mm. Thingy was quite interesting. I've got an American one, the Dock Street Theatre in Charleston, South Carolina. So apparently, like South Carolina is one of the most haunted places in America. And I think it's all got to do with civil war and mm. you know, English people coming over and settling and fighting with native people and things like that. Like lots of turmoil and horrible things. There was a theatre built there in 1736. So that's quite young. That's quite old. Quite young. Quite old. Well, Old for them. Old for America, isn't it? Yeah. But the current building is from 1809. So it's one of the oldest theatres in the US and a fire burned down the original. And then an inn was built in its place. It was an inn and a hotel for ages. And then in the 1930s, they reconverted it back to a theatre. So the most flamboyant ghost. So I read this and I was like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. She was called Nettie Dickerson. And apparently she was a sex <laughs> worker. But I mean, I think they're just say that about every woman who might have been in an inn at that time but apparently she was struck by lightning while she was stood out on a balcony at the hotel and she's now seen gliding around the second floor of the theatre crazy-eyed red gown and I thought crazy-eyed that's me that's the old lady I'm gonna be (laughs) and apparently also Junius Brutus Booth who was a renowned 19th century actor, also haunts the place. He was the father of John Wilkie Booth, I think you say, who is the guy that assassinated Abraham Lincoln. Oh. So his dad frequented the inn and apparently has been seen. Now, this is where it gets me, though, because I can understand Nettie being recognised if she was, you know, a lady of the night in her. I've just got this image of her in one of those big red gowns with, like, the feathers you know when yeah. it just glances around yeah. and hit by lightning you think that would have been mm. written down somewhere there would have been a news article about that but the other guy mm. just went there a lot like how would you know it was him yeah not so much yeah it might be somebody else so then we come to the theatre royal on Drury lane which is in london so there's been a theatre there since 1663 mm. but i think it's burned down a couple of times and the current building is 1812 It's the oldest continually operating theatre in London. And there is a guy called the Man in Grey there. But if you see the Man in Grey, it's meant to bring good luck to a show. Oh. Yeah, and it's the Man in Grey. Yeah, a good ghost then. He's good luck. Um, And he's the one that I wrote about in Last One's Die because she sees a grey figure. Yeah. In there, and they kind of do this ghost tour and they learn about it. So he is meant to be an 18th century nobleman he's got one of those tricorn hats on so you know the hats with the three Mm. corners so like a bit like a highwayman i imagine him cape and riding boots so that sounds like a highwayman yeah um and he appears in the upper circle and he walks through and then he disappears and apparently he's even told audience members to shush in the past (laughs) so the legend is that in like the eight, so 1848, it says here, there was work being done and they found a walled up passage in the place where he apparently disappears. Um, and in this walled up passage, they found a skeleton dressed in grey rags with a knife through his heart. Ooh. So they think that that, and in the hat, and I think that's because the hat was there, this is 
the connection. Yeah. So, but I couldn't find, and I was sure in my book that I'd written in like why. So maybe I just made up a backstory for him. Maybe. Um, or there's so there's a ghost of another person, and this is why I'm wondering if I've merged them together. So there was an Irish actor called Charles Macklin, and he accidentally murdered another actor. <laughs> Um, in 1735, so they were they were rehearsing for a show and they were arguing over a wig. As you do. It sounds about right, though, doesn't it? 1735, they were yeah. in those, like, white, frilly wigs. Uh, <laughs> so the show was called Trick for Trick, which I thought was nice and relevant for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hit the other man with a stick, which accidentally impaled his eye and brain. Oh gosh! That's not, that's not hitting someone with a stick, is no, it? That's, like, that's stabbing someone in the eye. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I think I've put together the victim and the grey man. Right, yeah. To I make one character. Yeah, what I did. It doesn't say whether it is or it isn't, so I don't know. There's meant to be another guy. So oh, I found pictures of this guy. I'm going to put them on Instagram and. He was called Dan Lano. That was his acting name. He had a really long name. Um, And he was an actor and comedian in the late 1800s. And he performed some of the first pantos. He was one of the first dames, you know, when a man dresses up in like as an old lady, which we're really familiar with in the UK. Don't be familiar in America. I used to work at a school where there was one of the kids had an American parent and they didn't like panto. They said it was wildly no. appropriate for children. And like when you stop and think and you go, yeah, you're kind of yeah. right there. That's isn't this a really weird thing that we do? But you know. But the pictures of him, he was a very scary large man in a dress <laughs> in the 1800s. So yeah. if he popped up as a ghost, that would be really yeah. scary. But he died when he was 43. He didn't die there, but apparently he was very troubled. He was an alcoholic. They don't know why he died. Um, but he's meant to haunt there and he's meant to bring the smell of lavender with him, which sounds quite nice and calm. Oh, lavender. Yeah. yeah. And he's been blamed for being mischievous and pushing actors off stage while they're trying to rehearse. Oh, dear. So there's an episode of Most Haunted with Yvette Fielding from 2002, which I've not had time to watch, but I think I'm going to go and watch it because that just sounds like it's going to be brilliant. Um, So they did that. that They went to the Drury Lane Theatre. Derek Accor is in it. So I'm sure it'd be full of fun and laughs. Um, Last year, they did their first ever Halloween ghost tour there. So when I was talking about it, I just assumed that they I think I made that up as well then <laughs> I just assumed yeah. that these tours but no last year on Halloween they did it for the first time so that would be really cool to go on and then the last bit I'm going to post this on Instagram there is a picture on the Drury Lane Ghost Hunt Facebook page and it's apparently a couple who were there after everybody they were there with the manager so I don't know if they're friends with the manager or whatever and they took a selfie of themselves after watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something and there's several figures behind them in the photograph so there's a couple that just look like people who are like still packing up their coats Mm -hmm. and stuff but this guy's come on and he's adamant he's like no this was me and my girlfriend there was definitely nobody in there 
Mm. So I don't really believe him. But so there's a couple who just look like people, but then in one of the boxes behind them, you can see two like grey figures. And it almost looks like the the guy who was being the Panto Dane. Yeah. So whether it's photoshopped or what, I don't know, but I'll put it on Instagram. You can decide for yourself. But I thought that was a really interesting one. And and it does kind of make you go, ooh, that's a bit, yeah, Yeah. a bit spooky. So that is haunted theatres. Haunted theatres. I bet you most theatres have a ghost, don't they? I just, it just, as you say, so much emotion. And also lots of accidents used to happen, didn't they? I mean, they're... Yeah, like so much now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that feels right for Halloween, doesn't it? Talking about ghosts. Yes. Now I am going to talk to you about urban legends that have an element of truth. Oh, because you did creepy pasta a while back, and obviously, urban legends and creepy pasta sort of, you know, they're in the same family, aren't they? Yeah. So. Yeah, when I think of urban legends, I just immediately go scary. But actually, they're not always scary. Sometimes they're just... So on Wikipedia, the the um, explanation for an urban legend, or they call them ur- urban truths as well, which doesn't seem quite right. But they're, um, it's a genre of folklore comprising stories that are circulated as true, especially as having happened to a friend of a friend. I love that. I always, and my, my cousin said, or my, you know, my friend's brother or whatever, um, or a family member. And they're often horrifying or humorous or cautionary. So sometimes you do hear those really funny ones. I just, I wonder about nursery rhymes as well. I think this might be one for a future episode because yeah. I said to you about the Muffin Man nursery rhyme yeah. the other day. That, and I don't know whether it's true. No, I don't. Yeah. Apparently the Muffin Man, who's on Drury Lane, isn't it? Do you know oh, what the man It's the same place. Apparently it's based on a serial killer. The first recorded serial killer who apparently he used to tie a, tie a bit of string around a muffin and like entice children into his bakery and then kill them. Oh. But I've, I've read a couple of stories about it, but I don't know if it's actually true. But we'll go back to that another time. But it just made me think, it, again, it's kind of part of the same thing. I've just had this image of like, how daft do you have to be to follow a yeah. muffin? And then I was thinking about my husband and I was like, you to follow a muffin. Yeah. Or a, a slice of pizza. Day, like, that'd be really yeah. nice for coffee. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Follow that muffin. <laughs> yeah. So usually urban legends may conform to moral standards and reflect prejudices and they they're always they they make sense of societal anxieties which is what Peter Laws was talking about a little bit wasn't he as yeah, well. And, so then they used they're circulated orally but obviously now we share them in lots and lots of different ways and they often change over the years like there'll be little elements or details about things that change the more that they're shared and there's always an element like a shock value uh, that can be found and normally as I said it's it's funny or it's scary and there's often elements of the supernatural so they're not always like supernatural murderous there's always there's, there are funny ones out there as well I did come across one that is hilarious which I will share with you but I don't think it is true I've never been able to find whether it is true or not but what's your favorite urban legend I think it's got to be something like Bloody Mary like yeah you know the stories where everyone seems to know or like white ladies 
there's always a white lady ghost somewhere and yeah where does that start and is there one in every culture and yeah just watched um american horror story they do american horror stories which is like a series and every one is a different story and the most recent one i watched was bloody mary but she was a slave in america but she's this like fabulous woman with this like massive afro and she's all beautifully dressed but she's really scary and and it's done with like um like black teenage girls and you know and it's like is that their bloody mary or yeah that's so is it a certain cultural thing and i loved how they had this different backstory for bloody mary and so i love i love i love the ones that have got loads and loads of different variations but i always started you do i think i think some of them I mean, I've got a few here, but there are some that it starts with a story that has actually happened yeah. and then it becomes everybody adds their own little flavour to it and it becomes, you know, this urban legend in different parts of the world and different cultures. But I I love the one, I love Humans Can Lick Too. That's my favourite. Oh. Um, I love, yeah. it I love it. Yeah. My dad told me that story when I was about, I was probably about 12 and I was walking home from the pub on my own. And he was like, have you ever heard that? And I was just like, why did you tell me that? Yeah. It's it's the dog in it that we don't do animals. Licking licking the hand though. No. Another one of my favourite urban legends is that how, why KFC changed its name. Have you heard this one? No. You know, it used to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Is it in that anymore no it's called kfc but is that not what it stands for it, that's what it stands for but they were officially called kentucky fried chicken but now they are called kfc like they don't advertise themselves as as kentucky fried chicken at all okay. it's kfc and I, and i heard this I, and it's because <laughs> apparently the story is that they were breeding mutant chickens that like didn't have heads mm-hmm. and so legally they couldn't refer to it as chicken Obviously, that's not true. That's not not true. But it's some. I heard I heard it circulate in a for ages. The reason they had to change their name was because um, the state of Kentucky, like trademarked Kentucky. Oh, because they were they were having loads of financial problems, and they tried to say to Kentucky Fried Chicken, "If you use our name, then you're going to have to give us royalties every time you do it." And KFC tried to they can they tried to fight it, and then obviously didn't win. They were like, "We'll just change our name officially to KFC anyway." So that's a that's a fave. Fair enough. Do you know the one about the woman going to the gynecologist? <laughs> no. <laughs> have I got time to tell you? I've got it. Got it here. This one always makes me laugh. I don't think it is real. So. This is called, so yeah, this 1995, this has been circulating since then. This woman left work early to go to her yearly OBGYN appointment. She went home to shower and freshen up. After her shower, she thought some feminine deodorant spray might be nice as she was going to the OBGYN, uh, but she didn't have any. So she went into her teenage daughter's bathroom, looked in the cabinet, found a can and freshened up. She went to the doctor's office and put her legs in the stirrups and with the sheet over her. The doctor comes in and peeks under the sheet and says, hmm, fancy. 
<laughs> she thought the comment was <laughs> off. Didn't much of it. Was it good, sir? No, it, that night she said to her daughter, I hope you don't mind, but I used some of your feminine spray today. Her daughter looked at her and replied, Mum, I don't have any feminine spray. Yes, you do. It's in the cabinet. The mother said, OK, Mum, come and show me. So the two went into the daughter's room. The mother grabbed a can and said, here it is. And the daughter said, that's glitter spray. <laughs> true i do and it's just so weird it has to have an element of truth surely yeah. i mean it's just happened to somebody by accident i really i really hope it's true but so that one's also happened to someone like they've picked it up yeah. and nearly done it yes yeah that's it obviously snopes is an excellent place to get to the bottom of these things and that one's on there and they said they haven't been able to uncover any any truth with it but anyway it's still a great story so like the hook, the hook led the guy with the hook as a hand, like on the car with the couple that has got an element of truth because it says in there was some guy who was like stalking teenagers in the 1950s. And that's where that story started. And there's so many different versions of that story. You know, she gets out the car and the guy's on the car with a boyfriend's head or the, the hook is on the handle. Or the blood's dripping from the yes. tree. Yeah. So some others here which do have an element um, of truth. These So these are like sort of quite localised urban legends. There's Cropsey of Staten Island. Have you heard of this guy? I've yeah. watched a documentary about Cropsey. I think it's... Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anywhere. But it was interesting. Yeah. So apparently he used to look beneath Willowbrook State School for children, which was an abandoned school. And, um, you know, your older brother and sister or whatever would tell you scary versions of the tale that he was like an axe murderer or he was a bogeyman or he just basically was a, a creeper out looking for lost children and apparently he he was a real murderous creeper this person and his name was Andre Rand and he was the janitor at the, at the school before it shut in 1987 and he just continued living on the grounds and there was loads of uh, accusations of of him like kidnapping people several children but it says that he was never actually proven to be found guilty it was never actually proven but he was found guilty of kidnapping oh. a couple of times but i don't think to the extent that people talked about and i so, think he might have had learning difficulties yeah so i mean some of these are really sad like this mm -hmm. this one charlie no face have you come mm -hmm. across him so this is pittsburgh so this is like a 20th century urban legend in Pittsburgh so he was a figure who he had a severely burned face and he used to hang around this train tunnel at night and apparently he could make like control the electricity and just make it go crazy just by being like near it and teenagers obviously drunk teenagers would sneak around the tunnel trying to catch a glimpse of him yeah. and apparently he was like a real person his name was actually Raymond Robinson. And this is so sad. When he was eight, he was climbing a pole to try and reach into a bird's nest and he was caught by electrical lines and like just thousands of volts went through his body. And apparently the same thing had happened a year before and it had killed a kid. So it was real like, I mean, he was, he was in, he, it's amazing that he survived, but he was severely disfigured and he lost his eyes and his nose and his right arm. Mm. And, Obviously, he became he lived his life as a recluse because he was just he was so disfigured. And he just that's why he used to come out at night. He used to stay inside in the day and come out at night when there was nobody around. But apparently he was like, OK. And he used to if he did come, if he did meet any teenagers, he'd sort of 
let them take a picture of him Aww. in exchange for some cigarettes. And I was just like, oh, I'm not sure whether this is true. And actually, you can see pictures of him online. Um, oh, wow. And it, it is really sad. It's, you know, really sad because it's just this, like, this photo of this poor guy and just the, the camera flash in his face. It's just, so that's that's a really sad one and that he was sort of made into this sort of bogeyman sort of figure. But that's um, going back to last week and saying about anything that was other is scary. Yeah. Yeah, that he, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just because he looked different and understandably didn't want to come out in the daytime with people staring at him and harassing him. But um, so the next one is this game that I don't know how to pronounce this properly the Polybius game. Polybius game. It's a video game that came out, it was released in for about a month in 1981 in Portland. And apparently, <laughs> The rumor, the rumors were, the urban legend is that it was designed by the government as a psychological experiment, which I love because I don't know who they thought would be playing this video game. Yeah, in, you know, in Portland, like twelve-year-old boys, um, and it functioned like a drug. And it, government stuff that like has oh, isn't there like yeah, yeah, um, it it functioned like a drug and it gave people seizures and nightmares and then government the officials would come in and extract information from the players which again I was like what do they think these boys know what do they think and girls sorry not just boys play video games even though it wasn't real it definitely wasn't real there have been a few video game related incidents around the same time that probably started this legend where there was a game called the tempest which did cause epileptic reactions and motion sickness among some players so that's probably where it started and then there was a um, case fbi um raided a video arcade because there was reports of gambling so i think people just put the two stories together and were like yeah the government are like trying to control us with video games and again it was probably a bit of a, a you know a reaction to you know having access to video games in arcades and stuff and kids going and doing this by themselves and they were like this is scary it's wrong yeah you know they're brainwashing our children sort of thing when was that the 80s yeah so again it was all just yeah you know, was like terrified of everything weren't they? they were they were and then the last one i've got is candy man yeah i like that. yeah so the, the film came out in 1992 and there's that bit where he comes through the medicine cabinet. We talked about medicine cabinets before, haven't we? So they're obviously a bit of a, um, you know, a weak design flaw in American buildings. But basically it's said that an apartment can be breached by the medicine cabinet because in some blocks they would build them like with this internal sort of connecting medicine cabinet it's yeah. really weird that you'd be like right we must put a medicine cabinet like it, it's something we have to have in our new buildings it's very strange it makes you wonder whether it was done on purpose as a way of yeah getting into someone's i don't know it's very weird yeah, it is weird but, um, is it a cost cutting thing like possibly but wouldn't it just be cheaper to not install a medicine cabinet well yeah but you see them on everything don't you so maybe they yeah. were standard yeah um, where else are they going to put those massive bottles of paracetamol yeah true true and of course the razor blades <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, apparently in 1987 in chicago a woman named ruthie mccoy was killed by a group of intruders who came into her apartment through the medicine cabinet in the wall obviously it was a, a, the, so Candyman apparently was based on 
a story, short story called The Forbidden, but the filmmakers have said that they drew inspiration from this newspaper article about this woman's murder, which was called They Came Through the Bathroom Mirror. God. I mean... That's scary. I know, really scary. It's just something, I don't know, uh, uh, have you ever lived alone? Have you ever lived on your own? No, I haven't actually, because even when I was at, when I went away to uni, I had a roommate. Yeah. Oh, no, never properly. I've stayed on my own, obviously, but... Yeah, I I lived in a flat by myself. Is it just one flat? Yeah, I lived in a flat by myself and it was on the ground floor and I was just always... It's just something, as a woman, living alone, it's just something you always worry about and you shouldn't have to, should you really? So... I don't have the windows open if I'm home in the evening, like... No. No, if Luke's here windows open all the time but no yeah but yeah I mean I I looked at as I said I mentioned Snopes I mean it's just an absolute rabbit hole isn't it Snopes I've never been on it I don't have you? Not that I know of maybe I have I remember I remember coming across it about 15 years ago I don't even know if it yeah a long long time ago and it was a lot smaller then than it is now but it basically it'll 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 kind of give you a bit of a, you know, um, an overview of a urban legend. And then, but it does more than urban legends now. It does lots of different stories. And then someone will like obviously go away and just do loads and loads of research. And then you, they've got like a traffic light system. So if it's if it's green, it's like it's true. And if it's amber, then they, they're kind of like maybe they're sort of on the fence about it. And then red means that now it's just a made up story. Oh, so, look, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's you'll spend hours on there. It's yeah. changed, like I said, it's changed a lot since I went on it because there's just so much on there now. Anyway, so so yeah, I mean, all these urban legends. There's a little bit of truth, little bit. Of, start with a nugget of truth, I think. A lot like our stories that we write. Some, you know. Well, this is it. You start somewhere, don't you? And then yeah, you know, or like a creepy pasta. One person starts a story. Yeah, and it evolves into something on its own. Yeah, because I bet every single kid in the UK, maybe not now, but definitely from like our era of primary school, they would have all had a white lady in the yeah. world or, you know, in the building or... Yeah. They would have to. I think we had one because our school was right next to a church and everyone used to talk about seeing the white lady up in the at the very top of the church. Yeah, ours haunted the pylon. <laughs> We had a pylon in our school field. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we, weren't, we weren't meant to go near it, so I think that's where the, like, ghost Yeah. So the white lady yeah. in the pylon. Yes. Right. That's our time up for this week, I think. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and we'll see you next time. You in November. Bye. Happy Halloween. Browser history deleted.